In association with the Omniverse Comics Guide, this is the Cave of Solitude, your pop culture and comic book podcast coming to you from all over the world. I am your host, Eric Anthony, and this is episode 288. I was tired of you making fun of me every time I would record with you. Hey, we're back. It's not, I'm not making fun. It's fun. <laughs> I'm having fun. I know. I I, I like Shane so, having fun Jesus. instead of Shane, uh, who always wants to shit on everything. It's Mr. Sh- Mr. Shit on everything himself. Shane Heron, welcome back to the show. And we're back. <laughs> welcome back, dude. It's been a long time. Miss you. How are you? You, do you miss me? Because you don't invite me on the show anymore. You could come on the show whenever you like. It's all a schedule. You always say thing. that, but then you don't. You don't invite me on. I can't just show up. Well, you're on now, so let's 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 do well, this thing. I'm gonna spend the hour complaining about how I'm not on enough. Yeah. <laughs> how's uh How's everything been going? Are you enjoying uh, summer rolling around the corner? These last two years have been <laughs> thumbs down. So. Hoping 2022 summer. Yeah, man, summer. I'm enjoying the hell out of it, actually. That's good. We went for a nice long bike ride on Sunday down to, um, do you know what Tommy Thompson Park is? Mm-hmm. The Leslie's, they call it the Leslie Street Spit. No, I, I go don't. Down below Lakeshore, there's like this, it's like a conservatory, like bird conservatory, like nature reserve or something. Yeah. And you, it goes all the way down to like the point of it. There's like a lighthouse at the end and then there's a... It's like across from Cherry Beach, basically. It like loops all the way around to almost like the harbor. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. It's all these beautiful like. There's birds. There's swallows. There's uh, what are they called? Terns. There's all kinds of crazy. We saw a snake. No. It always makes sense. We saw some minks, little minks running around. A minx, really? What do they look like? Like how they look big like, are like they? a weasel. Yeah. And how they did you know like, it was like a minx? A, like, a, like a slick ferret. Oh. I once They're saw. Like water. I once saw an opossum right at the entry of my garage, going into my apartment building, and opossum. it's a what? An opossum. That's what it's called, right? An opossum. It's called a possum and an opossum. Like it's the same, it means the same thing, but just the way you said it, you're like oh. I saw an opossum. <laughs> <laughs> well, when I looked it up, it said an op, and I said, it was, but anyways, I had never seen one before. And it just looked like this, yeah. It looked like the um, uh, the thing from from uh, Princess Bride, rodent of unusual size. Oh yeah, R O U S S. I was like, what the hell is that? Just trying to get into the garage, and I was just flashing lights and flickering, and then it played dead, like because it's a possum. But They're yeah. great. They uh, they don't they can't get rabies. Mm-hmm. And they eat ticks and, and fleas and all kinds of, like, they're really good for, people just hate them because they look kind of freaky, but they're actually great for, like, the world. Yeah, that, well, that's good to know because I would have either thrown something at it or run away from it if I ever saw it again. But, yeah. Oh, they won't hurt you. Pardon? They won't hurt you. No, I, that's my ignorance. I didn't know what the hell it was. They have, like, their babies all over their back. Like, they yeah, carry yeah. all their babies on them. It's, like, pretty wild to see. They'll be like walking. They have like ten babies hooked on them. It's fucking cool. Uh, ha, w- I love a good animal. <laughs> Has there been a time like I'm noticing when I go for white walks with Daph that 
I get excited when we see a bird that we haven't seen before. Does that happen to you or is that just a sign of getting old where you start like bird watching? Well, yeah, I think it's a sign of getting old. I think that's why it happens to me too. <laughs> I, I literally like we're going up to Jules friend's cabin next week and I'm like, I'm going to look into getting a nice pair of binoculars. That's my new thing. Like, <laughs> right? I'm going to scour Amazon and I don't know where in the city. I, I'd rather go and buy it from an actual like store, but I don't know where you get a nice pair of binoculars. Henry's so probably. Henry's in the camera store? Yeah, but they get they have binoculars and stuff too. Yeah, it's a good choice. Maybe I'll do that, yeah. But yeah, I'm, I think I'm going to get into I think they call it birding. I, I, You know what? I finally understood it. And this is the thing that's so lame is that when we were walking at this park not too far from our house, um, we heard the chop, 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 and it was a woodpecker. I don't think I've ever seen a woodpecker close up. I love woodpeckers. Love woodpeckers. It was the coolest thing to see them. And he wasn't just chopping. It was a fallen tree, and he was just slicing the side of it. Like his his beak was like using like a saw. It was so cool, and I'm like, I, could, I think I could look at different birds all day. What is happening to me? Daph, should we get binoculars? She's like, take it easy, bud. Let's just go for a walk. <laughs> you you guys got to come down. We should go We should go eat dinner or, or lunch or whatever, and then go down to the Leslie Street Spit. You'd love it. Yeah? There's so many beautiful birds there. It's wild. Yeah, Daphne. There's a, they're, called, they're called cormorants. They're like these very black. They almost look like a loon on the water, but they're all black, and then they, they're beak has like a hint of red and there's just like there was thousands of them and i was just like we're just watching them they're like all flying around like coming and going like it's like rush hour for like birds in the sky so cool yeah i don't i don't know when it uh when that kicked in i mean it's always exciting when you when you would see like hey look it's a cardinal or it's a blue jay but now it's i actually go and i'm like look there's one there's this even like robins get me happy i don't know uh Want to hear a funny story about blue jays? Yeah, yeah. One of my best friends, uh, like when we were growing up, he's a um, uh, he was a Greek guy. His parents are old school, you know, like uh, you know they came to the country poor immigrant Greeks and like you know started nice. So they still think that like same thing with my dad grew up poor, you know. So they think like they're very cheap with their money and stuff, right? And he wanted to get a pet, and uh, his dad his dad told him he'll get them a bird. And he was like, I kind of wanted a dog, but, you know, like, I'll take any pet. You know, I just want a pet. But his dad set up in the yard a box with a stick and a string, like a cartoon with, like, food under it. And he caught a blue jay. No. In the box. <laughs> he, like, stood there and waited and pulled the string and caught a blue jay. Did it just happen to be a blue jay or did he, like, set it up so that a blue jay would come? No, just, I think he was just trying to catch any bird <laughs> or anything that got in that box. Yeah, yeah. And then he, like, blue jays are... are much bigger than you like it's like a cardinal looks the same size but like blue jays are much bigger than you think they are when you see so he put this blue jay in a bird cage like a fucking like a canary's bird cage and he was like this is your pet <laughs> and the blue jay was like bashing its head like trying it's like a wild animal and he, and he was like dad we gotta let this go like it's gonna kill itself on the cage like it's trying to get the fucking so like, but that was his idea he's just like here here's your pet bird a blue jay imagine oh, I, I welcome, love that to, story. welcome to toronto like that's, <laughs> that's a, no, there's there's a reason no one has a blue jay as a pet, right? <laughs> I I wonder what makes certain cities adopt like the bird for their sports team. If it's just what's available, or if there's something significant about that city being known to have it. Because I see more cardinals in Toronto than I do blue jays. I get excited when I see a blue jay. 
Well, it's probably just like the Cardinals were around before the Blue Jays, the baseball team. So, like, when, the Jays were an expansion team, right? So they're just like, uh, gotta be it. Blue is an available color. How about you're the Blue Jays? There, yeah, that's true. Um, today's a special day in Seinfeld lore. What happened on June fourteenth, nineteen eighty-seven? Uh, the Magic Loogie. <laughs> For all the Seinfeld nice aficionados, that's my one of my favorite scenes. I can, it, whenever yeah. it's on TV, I have to see them go tell the whole story. It's so good. I have a friend uh, Jude who comes to the bar all the time. He's friends with us, and he uh, he goes to the. I think he's got season tickets to the Jays game, and he's always there. And he always he he. It's, I've never been to a Jays game with him. He's probably very annoying to be with, and I've told him so. But he likes to just every time with the players, he goes. Nice game, pretty boy. <laughs> That's like his all-time favorite scene, so it's a big day for him too, yeah. June 14, 1987, 35 years ago. For, for people who, don't, who are too young to know what Seinfeld is, shame on you, but uh, classic scene where they – it's the Subruder tapes, right? Is that what they're basing it off of? Or JFK? Uh, what's the Subruder tapes? Like J- it's supposed to be a mockery of JFK, yeah. Yeah. Which, like, Wayne Knight, the actor who plays Newman, he's in JFK, too. That's, yeah, yeah. That When I watched the movie, I think I I definitely watched JFK after I had seen that episode plenty of times. And I'm like, that's kind of cool that they used the same actor to tell this story. That's kind of awesome. But uh, great, yeah. great scene. And the, way, and the way Jerry breaks it down at the end, well, that's some magic loogie. Just a perfect <laughs> bit. Perfect bit. And Jerry can't keep a straight face through any of it. Like, he's cracking the whole time. He's just a terrible actor. He's the worst actor. It's he's up- always laughing. Like, he's always, like, he can't keep a straight face at all. He, uh, so, okay, the trivia is, who did they think... This is the easy one. Who did they think did the spit? Keith Hernandez. And who was the real spitter? Always forget that one. It was the guy that was the outfielder that they said, good game, pretty boy. Roger McDowell was hiding in the bushes. <laughs> And apparently Roger McDowell still every like few months gets like a $12 check for royalties for Seinfeld <laughs> for like all the, the syndication rights. That's crazy. I wonder how much yeah. Keith Hernandez would get because he was what, two episodes or three episodes? Hey, he was in two episodes. Great episodes. So good. Yeah. That, that, um, it is true though when you do get to know even like a guy friend how it could begin to feel like that sort of. Is it too, we're going too fast or, we, or is it we're getting too close? He asked me to move? Like, well, what's going on with this relationship? That is always the test, right? If someone's willing to help you move, then you'll consider them a friend. Yeah. <laughs> Who's your favorite wow. um, ancillary Seinfeld character? Like, not main forecast, but like within the... Well, there's too many. There's too many great ones. But I think there, there's two of them that I would probably pick as like the ones that I always love. And they're so underrated. It's... The Jiffy Park guy. Who's the Jiffy Park who, uh, guy? When they're 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 running um they're using the cars for hookers to bang their Johns in and George can't get his car and he goes I want to get my car to here and he goes uh, it's all way in the back uh, can it's gonna be a few days before you get your car and he's like I'm supposed to get my car it's a parking lot he's like, ideally yes yeah <laughs> and then he comes back later on the. Uh, the muffin tops tour where Kramer's trying to dump the muffin stumps. Yeah, yeah. And he won't accept the dump and he won't let Kramer. He's like, it's a dump. You're supposed to be able to throw your garbage. He's like, uh, take it up with consumer affairs, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> you know the guy I'm talking about? No. 
He's the Jiffy Park guy. I don't remember. And then there's a... Uh, what season is that? That must be a later season, the Jiffy Park guy. Yeah, that's, I think, season seven. Yeah, I don't know those seasons that well. And then that's the one where Kramer's a pimp. I that's, remember. I think season eight, actually, where Kramer gets the Technicolor dream coat. Yeah, yeah. And he's walking on the street, and then he starts fighting with the hooker, and they, they arrest him because they think he's a pimp. <laughs> oh, Kramer. <laughs> and you know who's another secretly wonderful character is Rebecca De Mornay, the... Uh, she's in the she always works for like the to help the homeless people and she's in the muffin top episode when she comes in to complain she goes who's you dumping all these muffin stumps just because they're homeless you think they don't need a muffin top <laughs> and then george she's also working there when george tries to donate the book to get like a tax break uh, or like a tax receipt for it and she's like this book's been in the bathroom i remember that that i remember she tells him to get his toilet book off the counter before she jumps over the counter and punches him in the brain <laughs> uh, that's where i always think of the the term is it flagged the book is flagged all yeah, of my books flag, are, yeah. yeah every Rebecca book i didn't realize that was her um she was no it's, it's that's the joke it's like uh she's like um oh okay. it's a black lady she's like a, she doesn't it's not the actress at all but that's the joke is that she has the same name as rebecca and she's always oh. like it's rebecca de mornay <laughs> Total She's fail amazing. on my part. It's uh, such a stupid joke, but it's great. Um, I'm a sucker for Jackie Childs. Whenever Jackie Childs shows up, he that you that, love you love Jackie too. But you're you giggle like a little schoolgirl when Jackie <laughs> Susan does his line. Do the lines? It's outrageous, facetious. <laughs> it's so because it, it was such a good spoof of what was happening at the time with um. Johnny Cochran, right? Like it's so obvious. Yeah. But it's it's such they were they were doing such good commentary back then that even now when you look back as a piece of pop culture, like it, it really encapsulates the how ridiculous things were in the nineties. But nineties were so good. I feel like it was But it's good because like it stands out. There's a lot of people that watch Seinfeld now on Netflix and they don't they don't get all those jokes. They don't realize like, oh, they're parodying like the O. J. Simpson trial or whatever, but it's still, I think it still stands on its own as good jokes. You know, people still like that. Especially when the characters have a consistency. Like when you see these people, you you know what to expect from them. When you yeah. whenever you see Banya, it's just always you, you know what to expect. Or when you see Poppy, Banya's gold, sorry. huh? Banya's gold. He's a, like another amazing character. <laughs> or uh, I did like <laughs> what was the crazy Joe Davola? I did like him. Oh, Crazy Joe DeWolle, he's great. I love Joe. You doing karate? Why? You want to hit me? <laughs> when they ran into him at the NBC studios, that was good. Yeah, yeah. Everyone. He up with a kibosh. <laughs> and you know who died yesterday? No. I believe it was yesterday, is uh, Bookman. The actor oh, plays Bookman. Really? Philip Baker Hall. He's also in Curb Enthusiasm, but he's, his character as Bookman's the best. He... Man, he's been around for a while, right? Like, how old was he when he passed? Because he's always felt like an actor who's... Pretty old. He was pretty old in 91. That's <laughs> what I mean, right? There's there's certain actors where you just... You accept that they're around, but then you sit back and question, like, how old is Steve Martin? Because he's had white hair forever. Yeah, Steve Martin looked like he was, like, 50 when he was 20. Yeah, right? So I, it, it doesn't dawn on you, like, how old is this guy, actually? Because he's aging pretty well for a guy who's been around forever. He's aging well because he already looked old when he was young. That's true. But he still looks pretty good. 
after I mean I'm almost 40 and I remember him when I was a kid the early earliest memories of movie going I remember him like in um uh what was not trains playing and automobiles but there was another one Dirty Rotten Scoundrels yeah. did you ever watch that oh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels great I love that movie and he has the uh, the fork with the cork on the end of it <laughs> yeah. gets me every time the con man him um, and uh, Michael Steve Martin uh, was born in 45 so he's 76 years old yeah yeah, that's wild. Cause so he must have been like almost forty when he did like Father of the Bride, but he looked old then. He yeah. looked like an old man. <laughs> but that you know, it something has happened where we've like gone ten years past, and we kind of look like people in their thirties now look like what people in their twenties used to look like when we were young. And now you got people in their fifties becoming grandparents, which is kind of older than usual, that look better than. Our parents did in their 40s. Like, I don't know. Something's happened with how people age. And I guess maybe how they act, too. We're, like, too dumb. I don't know. I right? turned 40. Uh, everyone, everyone just looks like a child to me. I call everyone a kid now. That does happen. Oh, he's a good kid. Yeah. <laughs> when did you turn 40? April. Oh. What, did you have a big bash? No, because I'm 40. And... It's too old to be celebrating your birthday. <laughs> but it's 40. Not even for 40. I know, but who cares? I just, I go with the Seinfeld. He goes, uh, your birthday, all you did was not die for a year. <laughs> like, I always think of that. I go, what, are we, what is this? For me, I don't know. I, I don't care if people want to and celebrate their birthdays, but for me, it feels like, grow up. Get with it. Would he still believe in Santa? Yeah, would he go trick-or-treating too? Some people do. That's That's creepy. <laughs> Oh, and people are like, oh, it's my birthday week. The whole week. Yeah, it's true. People do do yeah, Oh, yeah. I know a friend of mine, she had five different birthday celebrations. I was like, is this going to ever end? Are you going to celebrate your birthday to the end of time? <laughs> oh, man. A whole week now. I like that. Don't just take the day. Oh, they're doing it. They're doing it. Two weekends. They went two weekends to, uh, uh, straight through. So what did you do for the rest of the month? Who else? Who else's birthday was it? It's always somebody's birthday. That's why I don't want to meet new people. <laughs> That's true. It is true. The smaller your you circle gets, people, now the they're more... having kids. It's their kids' birthday. I gotta go to a goddamn double baptism next Saturday. Are you kidding me? Double. So you're gonna yep, go from the Vatican to the church. COVID, they didn't do it, so both their kids are getting baptized. Oh man. Oh my God, it's a nightmare. It's pretty expensive. I got two weddings on the same day this year. It's an expensive oh, yeah? day. Yeah. How are you going to do that? Can't go to one of them, but one of them that is, is also family. So, mm. got to do what you got to do. Um, Shane. Don't go to either. Yeah, that's good. That's true, too. That's your excuse to get out of both of them. Yeah, <laughs> that's, I never thought of that. I have a wedding to go to. <laughs> Shit, that's a good idea. Too late. I'll put my foot in my mouth. Um, let's talk. talk to me about... What's going on with your comics? Is anything happening? Oh, you want to talk about comics? I want to talk about comics. Comic yeah, I want to talk because I get all the raid guys here. Uh, I was reading a Marvel Thor compendium, actually. You tell me about it. Keep nah, going. I just, I don't know. No. What 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 is the last actual big two comic that you've read? Can you even think of it? Big two, big two. Um, I read something recently. What did I read? You know, I've been going back and. Um, 
rereading a lot of those like classic like uh like read born again and year one batman year one uh reread um i got the collection the dc collection of uh, it's a bunch of alan moore stories yep it's okay the art's pretty rough on a lot of them uh, but um it's good it's fun i'm i'm i think i'm for the longest time, I didn't truly like appreciate Alan Moore, and I think I'm starting to appreciate him a lot more now. What do you think uh, made a change? Is it just like things you've read along the way in life that make you now appreciate what he does? Yeah, I think it's just like getting older and just appreciating that sort of tone a little bit more. Whereas, like, I understood Watchmen as a kid, but I was always like, eh, I'd rather read Dark Knight Returns. Like Frank Miller was, I think, more it's more exciting. It's got that one character, you know, you love since you were a kid and like, you know, he's the, he's the first guy that did the old man version of like the character, the grizzled old man version that everyone's doing now. Uh, so I think I was more inclined like to be like, yeah, Dark Knight Returns is like, you know, they'd always talk about like, what's the greatest graphic novel of all time? Like Watchmen or like Dark Knight Returns are always up there. And I was always more into like, I mean, it's Batman. He's just cooler than the Watchmen. But then, as you get older, and you like, I don't know, I start to really appreciate what Alan Moore is doing a lot, and I like that he's like, he's one of those guys that just like, he's made his money, but he doesn't, he has his integrity, and like, they they constantly want to, his stuff's so great they want to adapt it into movies and TV shows, and he just says he goes, I don't want that, I don't want the money from it, I don't want it, like I, I made it to be what it was. Watchmen exists as a graphic novel. And it's there's so many layers to it that don't translate to a film or a TV show, uh, and I, I don't know. I, there's there's a lot of like all, I think all of his stories. He says like it was meant to be in the medium it is. It wasn't supposed to be adapted, and I think he like I, there's something to respect about a man that like has his integrity like that. It's not just gonna you know here's a million dollars and they're like eh, yeah still no I don't want it like I don't want it. I'd rather not do this. Yeah, I'm starting to appreciate that more myself as I. I read a lot more things and kind of understand the medium a little bit better because I always just liked it as a fan and if there was an adaptation I would be excited because it's just more of something I like but I'm starting to realize that the best stuff is the things that you can't really adapt properly to TV because it's meant to be told in that medium and I yeah. think I think that really is um, an aspect of I mean he's always a kind of a controversial character people are kind of scared of him but Alan Moore does have that sort of respect for this is where it exists. And it was written and designed for it to be this, not that. And I like that. I do appreciate that as well, that a person made something with that in mind. Because, I mean, I can't imagine Planetary becoming a television show. I think it, would, it wouldn't work. Yeah. And I, Well, no, like they can do it, but there's just there's little intangible things that are done with the layout of the page. Things like that, they just... They just don't translate into a TV show. So it's like, yeah, you can do it. You can do a good job with it. It's cool that it gets to a different audience that would never read the book. People will watch a show. There's tons of people that will rather watch a movie or TV show that will never pick up the books. But I don't know. It's kind of sad in the way that like, I, it, it exists as it is. And it's like a perfect – like something like Planetary, Watchmen. These things are perfect as uh, graphic novels, uh, comic books. Yeah. If, if and when, not if, but when you make Morris the next issue and somebody wanted to pick it up and adapt it, would you want to 
leave it to how you're doing it right now until you build it up more or would you want it to be adapted into other forms of media i mean i think it'd be cool to do an adaptation i mean i don't know uh if it's the right deal i mean for me also it's like i i don't i don't make a lot of money off this stuff as it is and like if i could make a good chunk of change off an option for morris that would you know that that would give me the ability to just you know continue to create my own things and, and uh, I see it as that way, right? Like, so I mean, I don't know. We'll hopefully cross that bridge when we come to it. What's uh, what's in store next for Morris? You got news for us? Wink, wink. Oh my God! I literally just said this in the group chat to stop asking me about this so I don't look like a fool. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm starting the layouts on the next book. I have the script basically how I want it, and uh, I'm just laying it out. And the the plan is to have it ready for early next year. That's cool. I'm excited. Yeah, it's. I think it's going to be Thanks, great. Yeah, I didn't. I, I mean, it's crazy how, like, I did the Kickstarter for the first one in 2017, and then you know put the book out in 2018, and I can't believe it's been that many years already. Like it's passed. It feels like it was just yesterday. Do you have like um, what's the word like, this new sort of inspiration creeping in now to want to get get into Morris again because it, everything has to happen at the right time. You can't just do it if you're not feeling it or if you're not in the right headspace. But do you feel like maybe now is the time to, for you to be doing layouts and stuff? Yeah, no, it was more about for me. So I, I worked with Fred Kennedy on this script and I worked with uh, the next book. The script is already done. I worked with Aaron Feldman. and uh, But I, I was like, I want to get the one that I did with Fred because we started that first. I want to get that out first. And I just, but there was something I wasn't happy about with the flow of the story and, and maybe the ending. So I was like kind of stuck on what to do. Um, but we actually been doing, we did them a few more last year. Uh, and then we've done a couple this year. But at Raid, we do like a, 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 like a meetup for writers, basically. Like you have a script, you have a story, you have an idea you want to like work on, you're stuck with, or you just want to talk about, flesh it out more. We have a little meeting uh, once a month and then, Everyone brings their thing. So I brought my Morris and I, I we actually had uh, way back last year, we had like a little retreat where we went up to one of the guy's cottages and there was just four of us all. And we just sat around like talked about our scripts, the things we're working on, fleshed out ideas and try to bounce ideas off each other and try to help steer it in the right direction where we can go with it. And uh, that helped me a lot to get this Morris script how I want it. That's been like the major like setback is like, I couldn't articulate what I didn't like about it, but I couldn't, I wasn't doing it because I was like, I, I'm not super pleased with this right now. And then, you know, Ramon, uh, Nick Peach, who's a guy who he writes for, uh, he has his own books. Uh, Andrew Healy, these are the guys that went on the retreat with us. They helped me kind of like flesh out where I'm going wrong and like what I didn't like about it. And like, um, yeah, sometimes I have trouble articulating why I don't like something, but I, I don't, I can't figure out how to move forward because I don't know the problem. So a lot of the guys at Rave, they're very good. Like Scott Hepburn has actually been a lot with art for me. Like sometimes I'll look at a page and I'll go, I don't know why I don't like this. And they'll go, oh, this, change the composition, this, that. And I go, oh, that's perfect. That's exactly what I didn't like about it. You nailed it. Like, so it, it's really good to have those guys around to sort of bounce ideas off. And... So, so yeah, we're going to move forward with it. That's 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 good. I'm happy to hear. I've been waiting for this book, honestly, for a couple of years, but not because like, where the hell? Why aren't you doing it? It's like I like the first one. I like the first couple of things you did with Morris, and I I wanted to see more. And and knowing now that you got a script, it's finished. You tweaked it the way you want to. I'm excited to uh, 
to read it. What's going to be like the the length, the layout, the sort of package that you've got in mind? I mean, it's not finished yet, but what do you have in mind for length and all those type of things? I think it would be something like somewhere between like 50 to 70 pages. Mm-hmm. Essentially almost the feeling of like a two or three page like mini series of a comic book. Yeah. And then that that's the whole story. So you'll get that, and then because I want every story I do of Morris to be like a little bit, almost like a mini graphic novel. But you read that, and you get that whole story. You don't have to read book one, book two to to. You should be able to pick up any of them and go. Here's a cool story set in this universe, and that's the plan. So that it'll be something. I think we're going to be doing it with through Raid Press, which is uh, Ramon's uh, Raid Publishing that he's doing through the Raid Studio, which has been. An incredible success. Every book they've done has done really wonderful crowdfunding, um, including his current one, which is Kookaberry, which is I think there's a few days left. He's at about I think he's at about like fifty grand Canadian or something like that, which is pretty great. It's great. Um, so we'll probably do the book through there, uh, possibly a hardcover. I don't know. I'd like it to be a hardcover, and then I think I might take those two previous issues, the issue zero and issue one, and maybe put them in with this story so you'll get that story plus like the previous issues because i want to get i want to make this bigger and get out to people who haven't read any morris at all too right yeah no that's that's a great idea i think because with with those pages as well you'll get almost 100 pages worth if it's going to be 70 pages you yeah. have to do we'll make a nice book and like they're all kind of issue one zero and this story are all sort of like really nice introductories into this universe basically so with the way that you said why don't you tell people who don't know what morris is what kind of uh story and landscape it takes place in uh so it's a post-apocalyptic western um my original instinct was to do a a regular western because i love that stuff but i wanted to have uh i wanted to be a little less limited and have you know monsters, zombies, whatever kind of uh, show up if I wanted to. So we went post-apocalyptic so we could have some like cool creatures and just fun stuff. So it's supposed to be post-apocalyptic Western, and it's basically this, you know, almost a world like a Mad Maxian like apocalypse. But in this little town, it's like, oh, it just feels like an old Western cowboy town, but there's still some sort of like, you know, there's some old technology left over, but it, it's very ba- basically like, cowboys and stuff like that and morris is the man who he's the sheriff of the town that keeps everyone safe and uh basically it's just like little stories set on adventures that morris is going to go basically it's like nice little town that morris keeps everyone safe i mean he's got his little deputies and stuff like that to help out but he's the the main guy to keep everyone safe and um everyone has to be you know a part of this town and be productive in some way and if and then there's certain rules because they want to keep everyone safe and if it if you're not being productive, you're not following the rules, they got to go. Right. And they, they let people in too. They bring people, new people in and give them a test and see. That'll be the next story is going to have basically someone that they captured as a prisoner and then they bring her in and sort of set her up with a job and, and she works with Morris and you kind of, through her eyes, get the view of this like town and how things work. It's exciting because th- there's so much potential for – uh, a story in a setting like that because it's got that old feel mixed with the sci-fi aspect somewhere there's the modernity that we've lost so we're in this old west with a little bit of the future what what happened and um there's that charm of the 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 western town right that little small saloon sort of feel that you get from it and you're really good at doing monsters like i feel 
this book complements two of the things that you do well, which is like those small quiet moments that you could have in like the town with the forest and the animals, and then you doing those monsters with the heavy inks and just like unexplainable limbs. Like it'll it'll really think I think it'll suit your style really well. Cool, man. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited about it. It's gonna be a lot of work though. You can do it. You can do it, and and I think you're gonna, you're gonna feel do you're gonna do it, but you're gonna feel so happy when you hold that book in your hand, because I mean, oh, yeah. Raid Press is again they're they're gaining a reputation for putting out stuff that is is unique to the creator, not just to the imprint, and I think that's what's really cool about what you guys are doing there. Everyone's book has its own like no no my book is gonna be this you know trim size. Yeah. How do you see the best sort of trim size for your type of art in this type of story? What would you go for? Would you go for classic graphic novel or a little oversized, like what Ricky did with Millennium Bomb? I would probably go with like something like at least the ratio of like a regular comic book size. I would like it to be kind of like that, but maybe go a little bit bigger or something like that. Like with Cauldron and with the Raid um, Raid uh, anthologies, we go like a little bit like wider, almost like magazine style. But I think for more, is I think going to stick to like classic comic book page style. Yeah, yeah, you can't go wrong with that. People have that familiarity. Can you tell us a little bit of like the the plot for this, or is it just under wraps for now until you get those pages done? I just did. No, you gave us the thing for the town. You gave us like the world, but I'm talking about your and Fred's oh, story. I, said, I told you they're gonna bring in a um, oh. basically uh, someone that they're integrating, and then um, it's this character Tiana that Fred came up with, and. Basically, she's going to go on a little adventure with Morris to sort of like, in a way, it's to, you, you get to learn about this town and the people and all the history of it through her eyes because she's being introduced to this town as well. Right. And then at the same time, she goes on an adventure with Morris to back him up to see, you know, if she's she's got the grit to, to be one of his deputies or whatever it's going to be. Yeah. Right. I'm sorry. I did hear that. I thought you were referring to the next story that Aaron Feldman had uh, prepared. That's no, that one. That one. Um, I, I can't wait to get to that one after this one. It, it'll be. Um, it delves more into Morris's history and sort of like when, uh, young Morris, where he kind of came from, and you get to see his old um, his old gang sort of comes back to haunt him. Ah, yeah, that's cool. It's very cool. Yeah, and it feels more like. Um, I think we, the name of it we called it uh, the Dirty and the Damned, and it kind of like it feels a little, a little bit more of like a western and not so much like. You know, wild monsters and stuff like that, which is a lot of this one that's coming up. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, that's both of them sound very exciting. When's that one going to be prepared? No, I'm just kidding. Well, I think I think the idea is to get this book done this year, mm-hmm. uh, early next year, uh, put it out, and then start working on the next one to do the similar. Like a year later, you put out the next one. Maybe sooner. I don't know, but I mean, I also work a lot of hours, so it's hard to find the drawing time. It's not. It's not so easy. If your day job being a, a chef, if is it a job that you would, no matter how successful you got with a comic book, would you always still want to, in your head, be a chef? Do you love it or do you hate it? Um, I don't hate it, but I would. I could easily give it up. You would rather be drawing it's, all day? Yeah, I mean, when you see these guys at the studio and they're working all day, like it's... There's some really great stuff going on there, and I'd love to be able to do that. And but also, I have the security of knowing, like, like I know how to run a restaurant. I know how to 
do most things that you need to do in a kitchen or a bakery or anything like that. So, like, if I ever needed to, I can have a job like that again, right? Like, every restaurant in the city and probably everywhere right now after COVID, they're all looking for people. Everyone short staff. I have no problem finding another job if I need to. So I, I could easily give up what I'm doing now. But, yeah. I mean, I do like what I'm doing. I don't hate it. Yeah, it, that's the thing, right? A lot of us forget that people who are putting out their work and their, when we go to Comic-Cons or to T-Caps or whatever it might be, these people are, have their day jobs, and this is the other thing that they've been busting their ass on as well. So it makes you appreciate a little bit more of that grit that goes behind people making indie comics. It isn't just people yeah. sitting at home drawing all day. Like They're going home and drawing eight hours after they did an eight-hour shift. Yeah, and, and it's also, it's not just people that do, like, like I work in restaurants. There's guys that, they also do art, but their their comics are not their main gig. They're doing storyboards or right. graphic design or even, like, someone like Ramon, his, he's doing Stillwater, but he's also got his own passion projects that he's doing, you know, like that type of thing. So it's, like, everyone's got, like, their one that, you know, the, the stuff that pays the bills, and then yeah. um, if you're lucky enough, your side projects turn into those, right? Yeah. Absolutely. I, I wish I could do something like that for myself because I always think I'm at work sometimes in the winter in construction. I'm like, what did I do? How can I do something else? I can't. You, draw. Are, you have your um, your music, man. Yeah, but I mean, it's not making me any money. But again, it is good to put yourself into something that you enjoy. It's when you create something or you put yourself behind something you love. I think good things should come from it. Right. You just got to do it. That's the big. I think thing. people can sense when there's passion and love behind what you do yeah and i think so there's some people that do these type of things just looking to make money and like make a quick buck or whatever it is and i think when you're truly passionate about it and enjoy what you're doing that you can't hide that that shows and, and people can sense that and makes the, the quality of work better and whatever it is art yeah music, anything like that, any sort of artistic endeavor, I think people, you, you can sense when someone really puts their heart and soul into something and cares. Yeah. And when you're doing something like a podcast, I mean, there's, I don't know how many millions of podcasts and anyone and their cat can make one. It's hard to separate yourself from the pack unless you're doing shameless promotion, which, you know, with something like this, I'm just happy that I've been able to find people like you to make friends with and just talk genuinely and it just went to where it needed to go but it's that in itself is kind of the reward you know and everything else yeah, it's, an, it's an outlet right yeah and it and before you know it it's like oh wow i'm hosting a panel at this thing or i'm doing it doors open slowly but all of a sudden you find yourself in a room it's like how did this happen just because you did something you liked yeah i like that about you too is that you you tend to you want to talk to people that you know their work, you like them. You don't want to just get access to like a big name, even if you're like, you're not trying to just, you know, be a star fucker type thing where it's like, you know, because, because they're a big name, you got to get them on the show. It, you're not trying to do that if you don't genuinely aren't a fan of their work or uh, them as people. Yeah. And it, and it is hard because, you, you know, sometimes it's like, wow, just talk to them because you're going to get hits. And it's kind of like, but I want to be honest with them. I don't. I. I'm very complimentary to guests, but it's. I mean it, and I'd rather that be limited people who I really mean what I'm saying than finding. You know, trying to bull my bullshit my way through a interview because the guy's got a hot name. Like ah, whatever. I don't care. Um. I like a lot of the things you recommend to me. I resist them for a while, but whenever I get around to reading some of the the series you recommend, they become like the best thing I've ever read. 
Um, what's something you can recommend to me as far as a stand-up comedy? Because I did watch Sam Morrill and I liked it a lot. Oh, Sam Morrill's great. We just went and saw him. Um, my, it, it was pretty stupid, actually. For my birthday, mm-hmm. my girlfriend bought me tickets to Sam Morrill. But I didn't know it was a surprise, so I accidentally also bought tickets, and I was like, hey, I got tickets to Sam Morrell. And she's like, you idiot, like I already got tickets. (laughs) So we had tickets for like a 7 o'clock show and a 9.30 show. So we actually like gave them to my friend, and he's like, but he was confused. He was like, oh, we're all going to go to the show together. We're like, no, no, you're going to go to a different time. (laughs) It was kind of stupid and fun, but yeah, it was a great show. Uh, Sam Morrell is a really great, like he's the uh, one of these up-and-coming. He's going to be a really big name. Uh, if you like Sam Morell, uh, he does a podcast with a guy named Mark Norman. Love Mark Norman. That's Mark how Norman I is great. Yeah. Love him. There, and then there's another guy, and he just put out a. Uh, they, they all these three guys. They put out their specials on YouTube, which is great. Um, there's a guy named Joe List. Haven't seen his yet. He's if you like those guys, you'll like him. He just put. He has one really good one, and then he just put out a new one. It's called like this year's material or something like that, but. Joe List is really great. Uh, he's as if you like Sam Morrell and Mark Norman, you'll like that. <laughs> uh, I was actually surprised. The, my girlfriend turned me on to this guy, um, Shane Gillis. Yeah, 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 Shane Gillis. He's the guy that got can He was hired on Saturday Night Live and they canceled him because they yeah. found some old racist tweets or something like that. Some jokes he made or whatever. But yeah, on a podcast. He's actually. I, I didn't think much of him, but we watched especially. He was really funny. I really liked it <laughs> when he was talking about his dad. Watching Fox News after a couple bucks. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's it. That's yeah. what I'm talking about. <laughs> he actually, um, there's, he has, I can't remember the name of it. I was watching, but it, him and Louis C.K. and another guy were doing. It was called like a podcast called The Presidents, uh-huh. and they're just talking about like the U.S. presidents and going through the history of them, and like it's crazy how much insight and knowledge Louis C.K. and Shane Gillis have this. about American presidents. You should watch it. Like it's. It's almost it's one of those things that I like where it's like it's almost boringly interesting, you know? Yeah. Like it's yeah. Like so the, I I wouldn't recommend it to most people because I'm like like my buddy I wouldn't be like oh you gotta listen to this they talk about the U.S. presidents you'll love it but it's like because they wouldn't find it interesting but I I really like that type of stuff. Yeah, I'll check that out. His his yeah, Trump is perfect. It kind of taught yeah, me how to do. Like it's wild to be like I had no idea either of these guys were so knowledgeable. They're like. They're almost like presidential historians themselves. Like I it's heard crazy. That. Yeah, I heard that that they uh, have this uncanny knowledge of American history and about the presidents. I I heard it on another podcast, but then it didn't register. Like they do this together. So you're saying they have an actual podcast episodic where they go through this. There's like multiple. I've watched a few of them. I okay. haven't watched them all, but yeah, it's called like The Presidents. If you just search like Louis C.K., Shane Gillis, The Presidents, something like that, it'll come up. Like, but yeah, it's pretty interesting. Um, boringly interesting, if that means anything. I enjoy uh, the um, the podcast that they do now with Rogan, where it's uh, Shane Gillis, Mark Norman, and Ari Shafir just hanging out for four hours. That's oh, I haven't fun. heard any of those. Yeah, they're that's just ridiculous. I mean, the four of them. Like, what do you imagine? And Mark yeah. Mark Norman not knowing how to light a cigar. Oh really? <laughs> and like, Dude, you messed it up on the experience. He's like, I don't know. You know, Mark Norman, he's yeah. just always. Oh, Mark Norman's great, man. He's so fun, and like, I guess what I like about uh, like Mark Norman and and Sam Morell is that I feel like nowadays with the, the the cancellations and the Me Too movement, it's like I feel like everyone's afraid now to go to certain territories, and. 
comedy is about sort of finding that line and pushing that boundary and like where's the line and sometimes people cross it you know and like uh and but now because of you know people being afraid to be canceled or whatever everyone's so like afraid now to like people keep recommending me to tom segura everyone loves tom segura and i listen to tom segura and i'm like yeah he's okay but for me it seems like it feels like he's like louis ck safe louis ck you know what i mean like it's like I want Louis, but we're not allowed to enjoy him anymore. So we're gonna have this guy who's like, ah, he's just not pushing it the way I wanted to be pushed. Like he doesn't. Um, so I, I like the way that like Sam Rao, Mark Norman, they go into territories. They make jokes about things that it's very iffy now, and, and a lot of people would be scared to because they're like, if I if I say the wrong, if I make a, a rape joke or something like that, for example, like I go in the wrong territory, it's like. I could be canceled because I said this one stupid line or whatever. But they're not afraid to do it, and they do it well. I think. Yeah, no, they're definitely good at it, and I don't know, like, Tom Segura, he doesn't seem like a guy who's scared, because him and his wife are, they they, they have no shame. Have you listened to I, I've tried, everyone tells me, I don't find them funny at all. You don't, I don't, not, I even, not even Christina Przynski? Not at all, and oh, okay. she used to be on this fucking MTV show I watched yeah, back yeah. in the day, Old Rules. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I didn't know she was going to marry Tom Segura and become a comedian. But I- I've never seen anything she's done that made me laugh. Okay. I've sat there and been like, let me give Tom Segura another chance. Because the funniest thing I ever saw was when he did that podcast with Burt Kreischer. They're so funny together. And, and, and Burt Kreischer was drinking a jug of Kool-Aid. <laughs> they thought it was like a jug of water. And he was just like, no, man, I bring like four liters of Kool-Aid with me. And Tom Segura just like lost it. And I was like, all right, that's, that's pretty funny. But, <laughs> They're hilarious oh, together. Tom, uh, I've listened to a lot of it, and I just cannot find it funny. You listen to his podcast, Shane. Shane, you there? Um, yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. You chopped out for a bit. You're listening to his podcast I'm or stand up? My phone is. I'm using my phone as the modem, and I keep picking it up to see a message, and then I gotta ignore it. My boss is asking me how many strawberries I need to make jam. <laughs> how many strawberries? How many strawberries do you need to I don't know. He's gonna to go to um, East Chinatown and buy just the most rotten, cheap strawberries <laughs> and go turn this into jam. It's gonna taste like shit. Oh man, that, that's gross. So don't get the jam at the Vatican. <laughs> it's no, I'm not gonna use it. Oh, okay. So we did that. We tried strawberries. So I told him buy frozen berries. Do you know why frozen berries are the best? Why? Frozen fruit and veggies in general are the best because they ripen on the vine and then they freeze them. All the other fresh produce you get, like fresh strawberries, they pick them green and they ripen on the way here. So uh, if you buy a bag of like frozen strawberries, the flavor is so much better than you're buying the fresh ones at the store. You think fresh is better, but it's not. So go frozen. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Really... Oh, I'm just saying, if if you're making a jam, go oh. frozen. Why not? Oh, okay. I was gonna go frozen just for fruits in general because sometimes I do enjoy like. When my mom buys these cherries, these frozen cherries that you let them thaw out just a little bit, you just pop them in yeah. like can't. It's delicious. But if it's yeah. based on the way that you've explained it, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, you buy a bag of frozen mango, it's gonna taste better than like if like when I make like a I make a nice mango curry and I use the frozen bag and it, the flavor is so much better than using like real mangoes like that you chop up. Okay. See, that's why it's nice to talk to you because I get a little bit of comic talk and a little bit of food talk. <laughs> Good shit. Uh, I'm gonna have to make some strawberry jam, buddy. <laughs> uh, how about TV shows? Have you watched anything recently? Old, new? What I don't care. Watch. It doesn't have to be like recent. No, me and my girlfriend are going. She's never seen The Sopranos, so we've been going through it and watching it. Uh, we're on season three right now. 
And for a while, I could see season one, she wasn't that into it. And I was like, she's losing interest. I'll just rewatch this myself when she's asleep. But then by the time we got to the end of season two, when they, uh, you, you've seen Sopranos, no, right? No, haven't seen. I'm in season one and I'm, I'm kind of going through what your girlfriend was going through where I'm like, I'm, I get why it's good, but I'm also like, uh, maybe I had to be there when this was happening to appreciate it. But yeah, but it's also, it's like, there's still season one, like most really good shows, you know, they're figuring it out still. They don't, yeah, they're not exactly it's like they're. Season one, I feel like they're trying to go more family and show it like from a family point of view, and it's like more about Meadow and AJ and the wife. Whereas like there's still that exists in the rest of the series, but they start to go like, oh, you know what? Maybe like I want to see what Christopher and Polly and Silvio are up to. Like the the mafia shit's what we're watching for. Let's go a little bit more into that, right? And they, I think later on they find a really nice balance of it, you know? Yeah. But I think I want- the idea of it's really great too. Like so. Tony Soprano going to a fucking therapist like such a great idea to like concept to do that well they had that remember that comedy with uh, Robert De Niro and Billy Crystal analyze yeah. this yes yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I never that, saw it. you never saw it it was kind of no, like my stepmom she she loved it she's a she loved anything De Niro she's crazy for De Niro so you wouldn't watch the movie I don't. I, I, if I haven't watched it yet, I'm not going to watch it. I have no interest in that. How about Meet the Fockers? I also just don't find Billy Crystal that funny. I don't get Billy Crystal. <laughs> that one, but that one, you know what? They were good together because it was. I don't remember sure. before that how um, if if De Niro had done any comedy roles yet, or if that was one of the first ones. But he did it playing a mafia guy. It was fun. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I'm not going to watch it though. No, you don't have to watch it. That's fine. I like the way The Sopranos does it though. Like they. You know, I mean, like, you're watching it through the eyes of this fucking, the, the, the protagonist is this guy that, he's really not a likable character. He's a fucking man-child. He's a big baby when he doesn't get his way. A lot of things, like, I see my dad in, in him when he's having his little hissy fits at the, the therapist or with his family. And, like, like, there's a lot of my own Italian father in that guy. Like, I see it and I go, oh, my God, like, this is very relatable to me. Um, but, it, like, I think... Like I was reading, there's like a Collider or some website. It was a list of like the top most un, top ten most unlikable or like evil Sopranos characters, and like most of them are like I think Tony Soprano's on number three on the list. And you think of like you're supposed to be cheering for the protagonist, like he's the good guy, but you forget that like you're actually cheering for a guy who's actually kind of a piece of shit. Yeah, like he's a selfish, self-centered garbage person like he's just and so is like so is christopher so is paulie so is uh like uh tony's mom tony's sister like these are not likable the most likable people in the show is like his wife carmela who's fucking incredible right yeah his mom oh his mom is horrible that was the one his mom is so good at being unlikable though like that fucking i just remember there's one clip where she's like in the hospital bed and she's watching like a cooking show or and she just like she's always complaining there's one line she goes Ah, he didn't even wash his hands like to the cooking show. And I'm just like, oh, that's fucking. <laughs> that's such an Italian woman too. They would yeah. notice something but like that. Going through the second time, I'm really appreciating Edie Falco as Carmela. Like she's just like, she's such a great actress, man. She's so perfect for that role, especially at the time. Like she really embodies what women of that yeah. time looked like. But that fucking thick Jersey accent, like she's just like the ultimate like mobster wife that like understands, is always there for him no matter what. Like uh, she's just, and I, I was like looking up because I, you know, you start to watch it and you go like the therapist is a, a, a 
the girl, she's the wife in Goodfellas. There's like, I didn't realize how many people from Goodfellas are in Sopranos. There's like a list of like 27 actors that are like in it. So I found out apparently like the therapist, uh, what's her name? Lorraine Bracco, the actress, um, she was offered the role of Carmela Soprano. But she didn't want to be typecast as like the mafia guy's wife because of Goodfellas. So she was more interested in the therapist role, which I think changes the dynamic. And it would it would have been such a completely different show if she was the wife because Carmela, like Edie Falco as Carmela, is just just the best. Yeah, no, she she suits the wife role better than had uh, Lorraine Bracco did. Yeah, and the way that she plays that that therapist. And the way that they, you know, sometimes just go up her from her shoe all the way up. But she's not dressed in any sort of way that is provocative. But there's something about yeah. how she plays it that you understand, yeah. like, what's going through his mind being the type of guy that he is. Yeah. It's, so you're watching it right now? I, I watched the, the first, uh, I would say, six episodes. I'm not watching it currently, but it did leave an impression. Like, the characters are, are impressionable for sure. And I say keep going. Once you get to the like, season two is very like really starts to draw you in, and then if you get to the last two episodes of season two and you're not fully hooked, like I noticed that with my girlfriend. Like, I, so I don't want to spoil it for you now, but uh, like the the last two episodes are like obviously the climactic of the season. She was like, all of a sudden she was like, "You want to watch Sopranos tonight?" Like, where yeah, now yeah, she's yeah. like, she's asking. Where I was like, oh, you weren't interested in. Now it's like she's just, it got her, you know. Like she's like, okay, this is actually really, really brilliant stuff. That happened to me with uh, I don't know if you ever watched Sons of Anarchy, but that happened to me with the second season. The first one, yeah. I kind of like, you know, okay, let's try it. Let's try to get to the end, see what happens. And then when the second season kicked off by episode two, just the way the the way the town had been sort of split, and you knew that there was this uh, tension that's built, and it was very basic, but all of the little intertwined storylines, like any crime movie or television show, it got me. I'm like, I'm in. Like, there's so much. Every, I, when people get, everyone's hands are a little dirty. You you yeah, can't yeah. stop watching. It's like, oh, now what's going to happen with that? But have you watched Ozarks? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Jules was watching it. I, I hate it. The thing for this is the thing. I think it's 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 good, but it's got this filter. That you you're always stuck it's, in the everything's filter. blue. Everything's blue and green, which it's after so, a while fucking blue all the time. It fucking annoys the shit out of me. Yeah, that that gets to me after a while, and it's a binge-worthy show. So you stick, you end up watching more episodes than you expect, and by the end of the little binge that you do, you feel stressed out. Like I don't feel like relaxed. Like that was good. Let's watch something. It was just like uh, uh, the whole time, and I just like sometimes you just need to. St- even though that's fun to watch with crime and, you know, I watch Narcos and things like that and it has those elements. With Ozarks, with the filter and the pacing, it's just nonstop. There's never any, like... I never... I've, everything I watched, Jules is watching, I couldn't say. It, felt, it feels to me like people were like, all right, we don't have Breaking Bad anymore. Better Call Saul is almost over. Um, let's do another Breaking Bad, essentially. But it's just, to me, it feels like Breaking Bad light. Like, it just doesn't feel the same. It doesn't feel as good. I feel like people want to like it. Well, I guess people do like it. I mean, I'm not... But I feel like people want to like it more because they, they don't have a Breaking Bad anymore. Like it becomes that replacement, that surrogate. Yeah. Sort of it's, a, it's fucking... It's a poor man's Breaking Bad. Let's be real. You think so? Yes, it's exactly that. Okay. Okay. I've never watched uh, either series in its totality, so I can't really say. Have you watched Stranger Things? 
Um, we just Jules would just I just watch whatever Jules is watching. <laughs> so you're in and out of stuff <laughs> all the time. She just I guess the new seasons came out. Yeah. So um, she's uh, hold on one second, my buddy. Yeah, she just rewatched like season one. Uh, it's not it's not for me. I don't I don't care for it. I feel like it's like um, from what I've heard and read about Stranger Things, it was like seems like season one was a really good idea, and then they they didn't know if it was going to continue, and they were like, eh, let's come up with more stuff, but like it's just really not as good as the first original season. Yeah, nothing nothing will ever compare to what made it originally pop off, but there is a time where. Especially with the way television is now where they they shoot them like movies and, and they're like these really long, basically movies in episodic formats. It does get to a point where it's yeah. like, okay, that's good. that We were good. We didn't have to you, – you made it bigger than what it its charm was. Once you go too broad, it's like shut it down. Yeah. Hold on. Just hold on one second, okay? Yeah, yeah. Uh, what Jules has been watching that I've been getting into is a, uh, it's a show on Netflix called Love on the Spectrum. Okay. And it's literally like they're taking people who are you know on the spectrum of like autism, mm-hmm. um, and people that and they're interviewing like people that you know they're they're lonely they want to find love they want to find a date and like but they're extremely socially awkward and like don't take social cues that type of thing and like they're setting them up on dates and you're watching like. These two people on the spectrum of autism who are like really, really awkward, who've never been around on a date in any romantic way, watching them on this date. And it's like, I love it. But at the same time, I keep saying to Jules, I'm like, it almost feels like I feel bad at sometimes because you are laughing at them sometimes. Like, but it's, I think it's like kind of like but you're it's laughing. charming though. Like, yeah, it is. Like, <sighs> it's really cute. It's really fun watching. And it's just interesting seeing like, like, um, the, just the way they talk and like they don't, I mean, I think any watching any regular date, people people who aren't on the spectrum are just as weird sometimes. But like, there's one like we were watching, and the guy he like he brings her like a corsage, and he just goes like he's like, this is a romantic gesture. <laughs> like instead of like just giving it to her, like he has to say like that those words, and I, I thought it was just really funny. But that, but I think there's something to be said about that. Those people who would be on the spectrum like they are funny they may not know it and people might say oh you're laughing at yeah. them but it's it's because of we find that funny we find people when they do that to be funny we appreciate it almost like it's almost refreshing yeah. in a way but, it, but when you see the awkwardness it is it's refreshing like, it's, it's interesting because it's like okay there's gonna be the part where you you do laugh at them a little for sure and like that part I'm like I kind of feel bad I should, but at the same time it's nice to see that it's like it's representation because these people in the past were just ignored and pretends like they don't exist. So it's kind of interesting to see that like one, yes, these people do exist and here's watching them, you know, try to fit into what we consider like regular society and like what that entails for them and the struggles and like the the humor of it and stuff like that. So I think it's like, you know, it's it's I don't feel so bad about like I'm not just laughing at them looking like look at these fucking idiots but like there is parts where you're like you are laughing at them laughing with them maybe but also it's I think it's great that this show exists and it, apparently it's pretty popular on Netflix so it's like it's it's representation you're seeing this which is I think important because a lot of like you know the past the stigma around you know things like mental illness um, uh, even like transgender like all these different things that we would kind of just look away in society want to pretend it doesn't exist 
now we're seeing it. I think that's important. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, definitely nice to see that everyone's story is being told, and that there's a place for them to see it. Like that's that's nice to see, even with like it's it does sound very endearing to hear, uh, just people sharing that love, even though they have this thing in the what would you know would yeah. be a disability. I don't know if you can say that anymore, but something that we don't deal with on a regular basis. Right, we wouldn't understand how simple things would be difficult for them. Something as simple as what we, you know, going on a date. Now we swipe. For them, it wouldn't be that easy. But to see that bond yeah. connect, like it's, I don't know. There's something about when love is in the air, right? It's nice. You gotta watch this show, man. There's this one episode. They go on a date, and the guy keeps bringing her gifts, and they're on like their third date, and he brings her this little gift back, and there's like gummy bears in there, and he's like. Hey man, why don't we like why don't we open up those gummy bears? And she's just like, Well, you can get your own gummy bears. I'm gonna save these for later. <laughs> and then at the same time, I'm kinda of like I'm kinda of like, Yeah, she's being a little cheap with the gummy bears. Like share his fuck share the fucking gummy bears. But at the same time, I'm like, he did just give them to her. Like they're her gummy bears. You're gonna immediately ask for some, you fucking son of a bitch. But I just think like, it's just funny watching <laughs> But I think that the the way that they're so literal with stuff, like they say what yeah. they're thinking. We do that too. We just like I don't want to be rude. Like we know that social cue, but it's almost more refreshing that they say like, Hey, can I have some now? Like I gave you some, are you going to share them? Like later, like you want to relax? Yeah. That's what I do like about is a lot of them is just like, they're saying the the quiet part out loud and you're like, Oh, like I would never say that, but it's cool that they don't have that cue to be like, yeah, don't say that. You know, like just literally just like, here's a corsage. And then just instead of a romantic (laughs) gesture, he goes, this is a romantic gesture. (laughs) Just in case you didn't know. Letting you know, letting you in on it. How about movies? Have you seen anything good? Uh, what did I see? Uh, have we talked since I seen Batman? I think so, but I think we spoke to each other. But I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast. I watched Batman. What else did I watch? I don't know. I just I just watch old movies I've already seen. Top Gun, highly recommend it. Give it a chance. Did oh, everyone's you... saying it's really good. I don't care for it at all. I don't want to watch it. Did you watch the first one? Yeah, of course. Did you like it? Did he play volleyball in the new one? He might. Is that a spoiler? No, it's not a spoiler, actually. But there is the, the beach sports scene. Like, it's in there. What did they play? Golf? No, I think they I think they play beach football. I gotta be honest with you. Nothing about Top Gun interests me at all. I'm not gonna watch it. I don't care. Not even the. Is Tom Filmer in it? Yes. Okay, good. Yeah, no, it's really it's really well done. Like it really pays respect to what came before. It's not a bad sequel, surprisingly. I thought it no, was gonna be. It, yeah, I mean, I guess like I watched Top Gun. I think it was like all right, but Top Gun was never one of my favorites. I, I really don't care. What's your favorites from the '80s in that era of like classic movies? There are a few that... Like, oh, you know what I just saw? And I, I don't like to get excited about sequels that are 20, 30 years later, but <laughs> they're doing a TV series of uh, Willow. Yeah. Willow with uh, Warwick Davis. Yeah. I love Willow. We re- re- re-watched it recently. Uh, my, so, like, um, my, you know, I think you know this. Like, my younger brother, he's, like, uh, schizophrenic. Um, and so he, like, uh, he comes over once a week about but he's very stuck in nostalgia 
Yeah. yeah, he doesn't really like the news. So we basically, like, every time he comes over, if, if it's not nice weather, we will throw in a movie. And he always almost wants to watch a movie we watched, like, as kids. So we just, like, rewatch that type of thing. So we, we rewatched Willow, actually. It was like, ah, oh, man, it's still so good. So good. And it was scary. And that's the thing. That scene where he turns scary. everybody into a pig? Whoa. Yeah. That was but so that's scary. one of those movies where you're like, because, you know, they're constantly remaking stuff that was already good, mm-hmm. where it's like, Willow's good, but that's something you could remake because the special effects just weren't there yet. Like, they're kind of oh. cheesy, especially now you watch them, you're like, ah, it's not great. But, like, if, now that apparently, I guess because Disney owns it, right? It's like Lucasfilms or whatever, so they're doing, like, a TV series with Willow. And, I mean, it's Disney. They'll have a budget for some special effects, so it should look kind of cool. You know the thing with Willow is that it was considered a flop, right? It didn't do what anyone yeah. expected it to because it was a Lucas film associated thing ron howard directed it and everyone thought it was going to be a big blockbuster it wasn't but everyone who remembers it always loves it like i haven't it's great i've never met anybody who's like this movie sucks oh you like willow no everyone who remembers is like willow like that was the shit it was good yeah that's the height of like val kilmer was the best back then mad martigan what mad martigan's great i mean he's great as iceman in top gun but like even i I always say like one of my all-time favorite movies is uh, Tombstone, and I think Val Kilmer as Doc Holliday. I don't know how he wasn't at least nominated for an Oscar because he's incredible as Doc Holliday in Tombstone. Yeah, he was just good. like sweaty tuberculosis. Like he's just so good. He had a run, man. He had a, a definite decade of like bangers. Yeah. He had good movies, and then to the point where he became Batman. Maybe that was that the yeah. downfall. <sighs> Once you get yeah. to Batman and it doesn't go well. <laughs> Have you ever watched? There's a, a Ricky Gervais, Stephen Merchant produced a show with Warwick Davis called Life's Too Short, <laughs> and it's it's like a mockumentary, but it's it's like watching like Curb Enthusiasm, but with Warwick Davis instead of Larry David. You know what I mean? Like it's like, and a lot of the jokes about him, like, and he's constantly reminding people that he's a movie star, and they're like, "What have you been in?" And he's like, "Well, Return of the Jedi," and they're like, "Who are you?" And he's like, "I was an Ewok," and they're like, <laughs> "Oh, so you, you didn't see your face?" He's like, "Well, you ever seen Willow?" I was the star of that, and they're like. Never heard of it, man. Like, and that's just like the running joke is that like <laughs> no one's ever heard of his like. And then uh, there's one episode where um, Val Kilmer comes and they're talking. Val Kilmer's trying to convince him in to to do uh, a Willow sequel. And every time he brings Val Kilmer out, Val Kilmer puts on a Batman mask, and they're like, "Look who it is!" I guess, and they're like, "Is it George Clooney?" And they're like, "Nope," but he played Batman. They're like, uh, "Michael Keaton?" Like, "No." They're like Christian Bale, and like they never remember that Val Kilmer was a Batman, and then he, he like takes it off. They're like, "Oh yeah, fuck yeah, Val Kilmer, you were all It's so funny. Oh man, I remember the just the amount of toys for Batman Forever that came out. Like it was a big deal, but it's funny how it became forgettable. Forever is the one with Tommy Lee Jones and Jim Carrey. Yeah, and um, oh, I remember the. Kidman. I really loved those McDonald's glass mugs you got the collector's ones yeah, had good product like good merch the two-faced one the handle was like the coin flipping oh that's cool that's it was cool. such a cool mug i remember very much like yeah there was a lot of merchandise for that uh, yeah everyone forgets that val kilmer was was batman favorite batman do you got one favorite batman yeah um Um, I, I honestly, I think the, uh, as the portrayal of Batman, I, I really like um, Robert Pattinson. He was good, right? 
Yeah, the movie I don't love as much uh, overall, but the acting is really good. The, the performances are great. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, for me, like, I don't know. I never really got into the whole Christian Bale doing the <laughs> doing that bad yeah, yeah, voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so glad Robert Pattinson didn't do it because I thought he was going to. Um, but I mean, like, I love the Michael Keaton one, but like, I don't really. I never, as I got older, I was like, why is Batman like so jokey? You know, like why is why is Michael Keaton like as Batman? Like he's like I don't know. There's constantly like he's just making jokes, and I'm like, for me, that's not Bruce Wayne. Um, like yeah. Christian Bale's Bruce Wayne is probably more along the lines of like he seems like he's putting on the persona of this. Like they always say, like I think it was Alex Ross that kind of came up with that, where he was like. Batman is his real space. Bruce Wayne is the mask that he puts on. Yeah. And so, like, he when he's at these different parties, he shouldn't actually be having a good time and joking around. He should be like, I'm putting on a show to be Bruce Wayne until I can get out and go be Batman. Who yeah. I, uh, that's what I really want to do. Yeah, I need an that's excuse really to get out of here. And maybe it'll be yeah, me I getting, thought Christian like, Bale did that really well, actually. Yeah, that scene at the at the restaurant where he ends up in the pool with the girls yeah he just went along with it. It, it yeah it was like that would be bruce wayne you wouldn't yeah. recognize him that that's the yeah. same guy yeah no it was great um but yeah i like I, I think robert pattinson i was very surprised i really liked his batman very much what didn't you like about the movie because people are pretty crazy for it but what didn't you like i think it had no right being three hours long <laughs> that's true. There's, i also i was like reading this list of movies that um it's basically the 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 main character, our protagonist, doesn't change the plot of the movie at all. Like nothing he does actually matters. And one of them on the list was the Batman. And you're like, yeah, if you take him out of the equation, like, other than like helping a few people, you know, not get shot at the end, like he doesn't stop the Riddler's plan. He doesn't catch the Riddler. He doesn't like he doesn't really solve anything. Like hmm. he, he like even that guy who's got the like bomb on him and he's like helping him solve the riddles that guy still dies anyway yeah so Thank you're me. like he doesn't like if you take him out of it you're like it pretty much all happens the same anyways like he doesn't stop the bombs from going off and flooding the city like like what does he do he helps like some people out of the water when it's flooding at the end you're like oh great good job batman <laughs> wow you really know how to ruin a movie don't you well, it's just like I don't know, man. Like I like. Don't get me wrong. I really liked like Paul Dano as the Riddler was great. Him as Batman was really good. Like I think all the performances, Zoe Kravitz was really good as like Catwoman. It just like I just think the movie wasn't like tight. You know, it should have been like it could have been better. Yeah, I don't think it needed to be three hours. That I agree with. But uh, the performances were definitely. I remember at the end where they like him and Catwoman say goodbye, and then they're like they they just shoot this like few minutes of them riding their motorcycles and then eventually they go like separate ways and i was just like really do we have to do this like do you really need this fucking scene of them riding their motorcycles together and going and i just thought it was like i was just like end this goddamn movie it's over <laughs> it's over pack it's it up over. clean up your popcorn yeah but uh, i mean uh, yeah o overall like i don't know he and he's like he's not that good of a detective like they try to set it up as if he's like this brilliant detective because like okay that guy's Riddler's got the things and he's trying to solve them and you're like okay but then like there's that scene where he's like going over the evidence again and then there's like that tool that Riddler used to kill the guy and then the cop comes in he's just like oh yeah that's a carpet tool my brother used to do carpet and then he like Batman's like wait a minute and he like lifts up the carpet he's like oh it's under the carpet was the clue the whole time and you're like oh what a brilliant detective this guy is how many times have you seen the movie 
once. You remember it really well. That's good. I I like being annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what the episode should be called. Shane's back. He likes being annoyed. <laughs> uh, dude, where can people uh, follow you and and track your stuff? What are your socials, as they say? Oh, my socials. Yeah. Uh, just Instagram, I guess. At Shane Heron. S H A N E H E R O N. That's it. You're gonna be uh, at TCAF this weekend. I'm gonna be there on Sunday. That's okay. the only day I could get there. Yeah. So I'm gonna be for, I think two to four. I have to be at the club, the raid booth. I'm gonna be there because we have the new raid book in Klaatu, the anthology, and then we have a cauldron table as well. So I'll be there, manning the cauldron table. Very cool. And of course, you're gonna be at Fan Expo this year, right? Fan Expo, I will be there. Yes. Are you, uh, are you are you going to TCAF or no? I might pop in. I might I might be in the city on Saturday, uh, coming down, so I might pop in. But if you're not going to be there, maybe I won't. But what's the point? What's the point? I'll see my guy. Uh, thank you for coming back onto the Cave of Solitude. It's been a long time. Well, thanks for having me.